It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by one of our absolute favorite guests. He's the senior writer at the American Independent, and he explains the right to us. Oliver Willis, thank you so much for joining us for Oliver Explains the Right. Good morning. I'm great. How are you guys doing? You know... I'm I'm doing a personal <laughs> assessment of my own individual risk. Yes, we're doing personal assessments of our individual risks and deciding that we're not going to your party. <laughs> that's Sounds what we've good. done. That's what we're doing this morning. Let's all not go to the party together. Okay. So my first question is a meta one because I feel like we need it. You bet. Is the reason why we say Democrats in disarray just the alliteration? Is it just because Democrats in disarray both start with D? Because That's Republicans funny. are in freaking disarray right now. Just saying. Like, yeah. like the 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 Alex Burns, Jonathan Martin leaks, the Kevin McCarthy saying that he wanted Twitter to ban more of his own members because they were going to incite more violence and then deciding not to do a damn thing about it. Like all all of that. Mitch McConnell like standing that. on the side of the Senate floor saying he was relieved that Donald Trump was finally yes. basically put put he into put the margins to and he's done. And it's over. It. We don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Put, this his, is disarray, put a gun to his own head right? and shot. Yeah. So where's where's the headlock? Where's the Republicans in disarray? Like, do we just need like a word that starts with R for people to yeah, cover that? I, What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, part of it is we need like you know, Republicans in revolt, Republicans in revolution, yes. Republicans rioting. You know, the alliteration, <laughs> yes, is part of it, but like I think, you know, unfortunately, I think the big the big part of it is that people just sort of naturally in the media naturally assume that. Democrats, you know, are always in a mess. And I mean, granted, l- let's be honest, like that is <laughs> we are, we're, we're not saying mess. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, the Republican Party has been a mess and it's been a hot mess for a long time. I mean, you know, look at look at go back to 2015 and the like scramble to stop Trump from even being the nominee in the first place way back when. Like that was a remarkable thing because we're used to seeing, you know, the old maxim about Republicans line up and, you know, s- celebrate their nominee. And the Democrats are the ones that are always fighting about it. So from, you know, for at least the last seven, eight years, you've had Republicans, you know, in a rumble. You know, I'm, I'm still I'm still I'm still searching yeah. here for one yeah, of them we'll, to put we'll, me on the we'll spot. Get it. We'll get it. <laughs> I don't have it and, either. And you and you haven't had that sort of communicated in the in the press. Like in the press, it's still, you know, Republicans are all lined up and ready to go. And it's the Democrats that can't get their act together. And I mean, you know, look at the last election where Democrats, you know, strangely, really did kind of get their act together. Like, we, <laughs> yeah, you look back at it now, and it's like, oh wait, they actually kind of pulled off the whole nomination and the the actual election itself, and they ended up winning. And you know, they were in definitely not disarray, but whereas the Republicans right. kind of were. Like, you had you know the leader of the Republican Party telling people not to go vote in runoff elections. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I mean, part part yeah. of what what's confusing to me, Oliver, is that you know the focus shouldn't be on the democratic party right now because they're not the party that is trying to subvert democracy. That's the story. There is no other story right now other than there's a whole political party that is working against American democracy. And we're, we're learning more about what they were actually doing behind the scenes during 
the violent insurrection before, during, and after the violent insurrection on the Capitol. Um, some of them said the opposite things um, compared to the things they are saying now in public. I mean, that's the part where I get upset because I'm like, how do you miss that? Why are we even talking about Democrats? <laughs> but right, right, well, they're, well, they're, well, they're not think, even I, as interesting a story. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think this, is, this is where the problem with the media for so many years, the mainstream media being addicted to this idea of, you know, a yin and yang in American politics, that for every reaction, there's an opposite and equal reaction. And, you know, it, the way that they cover this thing is sort of like, yes, on one hand, yes, Republicans are trying to subvert democracy. But on the other hand, you know, Speaker Pelosi has a slight disagreement with another member of Congress. And the two things aren't even remotely comparable. But the way that they're sort of framed within the press is that, well, you know, everybody in Washington is fighting, you know, whoop de doodle what are you going to do? Like, you know, and it's, it's never with the idea that one party is trying to actively overthrow democracy and the other party is, you know, having these sort of, you know, if, if there is a disagreement, it's sort of an intramural, you know, policy wonkish, you know, centrist versus liberals versus conservative kind of fight. And the two things aren't remotely comparable. So the, what the problem that we sort of have is, you know, the system is probably not going to change anytime soon. So what we probably have to have happen, and, you know, we talked about this before, but it sucks, is that Democrats are going to have to call out the crazy behavior, even though it seems mm -hmm. super obvious that, like, that should be what, right. what's covered. Like, you know, Madison Cawthorn is running around with guns. Uh, Kevin McCarthy In the airport. Is, in the in airport, airport. y'all. <laughs> right. Not anywhere. He didn't go. I mean, it's not even like he went to Tropical Smoothie, which is a joke that I have, because I would, that's where I would see people with open carry all the time, right? So, like, in Virginia, I'd be like, why are you in here getting your smoothie with your gun on your hip? Nobody needs that. But um, no, he's not like going out to Starbucks. He he brought it to the airport. That's a whole yeah. other level. Yeah. 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 And, and so you, you sort of have to, and it sucks because you have to call out behavior, which should be obviously called out. Like, you know, trying to subvert democracy should not be the kind of thing where you have to go, hey, they're subverting democracy over there. But the way that things are set up right now, you kind of have to do that because otherwise it sort of reverts to, you know, the standard position of, well, everybody has their disagreements. And it's like, no, guys, no, this is way bigger than that. But it's not it's not being covered that way, unfortunately. It, it, it feels like there, there was that there was that moment, that post January 6th moment where I, I think we even talked about it with you on the show. We were hearing things from hosts. We were hearing things from like major newspaper editorial boards that we don't usually hear unless you're yeah. like listening to Zerlina. Like it's, they seemed to get it. Like they seemed to understand. So what, what happened? Like, did they forget or did they get numb or like, it's, what's, it's a, it, how do it, you, how, how, like we can diagnose the problem, but like, what's, what's the solution? Yeah. I mean, it's a little, it's a little of both, you know, it, it's one of these things where, and this is a trait, I have to say, this is an American trait where if we don't get focused and get our eyes focused on the ball, we have a tendency to drift away from things. And, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the January 6th attack, that was we were all focused, you know, collectively on this sort of, oh, this is a crazy thing. And look at what these guys did to contribute to the crazy thing. And, and then it's like, well you know, we kind of move along with our lives and we get distracted by, you know, oh, what's going on with American Idol? And, you know, what's 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 Johnny Depp doing? And what's going on here? And this other thing and this and the other. And, you know, also at the same time, there are like 25, you know, super important national issues also being thrust at us. 
And for the average person who is not, you know, for someone like myself who has to cover this professionally, it's difficult. I can't even imagine what it's like for, you know, Joe and Jane America that has to keep up with all of this. So it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a really bad mix of us being distracted by real life and by fluff and nonsense. And we kind of have to have a way to like focus ourselves on, okay, this is the really important thing. And, you know, that falls to both us and our leaders to do that. And, you know, I think we're all falling down on the job, unfortunately. So as part of what has to happen next is like, or that would be helpful is that the Jan 6 committee has to do like maybe the best hearings they've ever had in American history, like that does captivate some of this, this distracted audience. Yeah, I mean, they have to they have to do one of the things that you would think, you know, honestly, you would think Congress would be better at this, but you, they have to put on a dog and pony show. They have to, like, you know, get the sparklers out, get the get the puppies to do tricks, get, you know, <laughs> get get the fireworks, whatever it needs to be done. It can't just be a standard issue, you know, falling asleep congressional hearing. I mean, you know, we as as liberals, as progressive as Democrats, we kind of like the wonky hearing because we're like, yes, this is good. Government is working and it's Substantive. not supposed to be. Yeah, it's not supposed to be exciting when government is working. It's just supposed to be we're talking about the issues and we're focusing on what's important. And, you know, that's great in normal times, but this isn't normal times and it hasn't been normal times for a long time. And what, you know, these hearings have to be. And, you know, I, I'm frankly disappointed that they haven't been so far because they've, they've been off camera, you know, for the, the whole time that they've been conducting these hearings. What these hearings have to be is a spectacle. They have to be, you know, the kind of thing where every day there's a little nugget that comes out that blows someone's mind. You know, talking about breaking brains, they need to, mm -hmm. you know, get a sledgehammer to people's brains. And it's not even about, you know, winning elections. It's about like the fundamentals of a democracy right, right. now. Like these are the people that attacked our government, you know, it, and if you look back at, you know, recent attacks on the government, look at 9-11, like we were still focused on that years after, you know, for good and bad. But that was still a topic of, of high interest years after the 9-11 attack. Whereas this thing, I mean, it's just sort of become another partisan talking point and we can't allow it to continue to be that. Like, that's just not it's not healthy at all. No, it's, it's bad. <laughs> no, no, it's real. It's real bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> we. We, we started talking about this a little bit yesterday and it's it's a few months off, but as as one of the, the major denizens of Twitter, let's say, um, <laughs> you you spend a lot of time there. You you, you live on Twitter Too a much. lot when, yeah. when you're not writing for the American Independent. Um, but uh, how are you feeling about the Elon Musk situation? I know Tesla stock dropped yesterday like precipitously. So now the Elon Musk situation is even more nebulous than it was yesterday morning. But so I think my real question is, can Twitter make things worse? Like, can it get worse? Like, and what do you think happens if they allow Donald Trump back on? Because I know Republicans are very worried about it. I, I think Trump back on Twitter is good for Trump. <laughs> like, what? How? How yeah. are you feeling about the Twitter situation? And should should we all quit? Yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily <laughs> think people should quit right now. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know. Like, it's really up in the air. Like, the direction is definitely not you know, the trajectory is not going in the right direction, because if you look at what Elon Musk has said about, you know, what he wants to bring to Twitter, it reminds me of Twitter circa 2015, 2016, where, you know, it was like nonstop harassment of Jewish people with, you know, comments about going into the ovens. Like that was a standard thing on Twitter from Trump fans and that era. And that seems to be every time he talks about, you know, quote unquote, free speech, 
that seems to be the era of Twitter that he really loves. I mean, he's been talking with Trump conspiracy theorists and as it within the last like two days on Twitter, like saying, you know, his vision of what he wants the site to be. So, I mean, it, it, from everything I've seen, it doesn't look good. I, I you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm skeptical of whether he's going to blow the deal before it happens. But if you look at his track record of, you know, owning and running businesses and the way that he hypes things, I mean, you know, talk about a flim flam man. I mean, he's been super successful, obviously, but a lot of what this guy says is like, obviously garbage. Like it's not, I have some very strong opinions about him, but I don't, I don't find him, you know, as a comic book fan, I find the like comparison to Tony Stark. I'm always offended by that because I'm like, Tony Stark would not ruin the world this way. (laughs) Tony Stark's businesses are based on, you know, real stuff and not, you know, smearing rescuers and all the, all the nonsense that he pushes on his Twitter thread, you know, it's, it's not that. So from that point of view, I'm offended by him. And yeah, he's not a great guy. And so you don't want to have like this major public venue. Like it's, you know, yes, it's it's not the biggest public venue in the world, but it's a pretty major one. You don't want to have the, the detached billionaire running that sort of thing. So that that the overall thrust is not great. Like I'm not I'm not positive about it for sure. How how bad do you think the like group think of Twitter is? in general like forget about forget about the the leadership changes like the fact that like only 23 percent of america is on twitter but like 125 percent of people who care about politics are on twitter and i mean that for real like you yeah. have one account again then you have another account like it's actually more than 100 percent of everybody who cares about politics is on twitter like does that matter for the way that we cover like do we Ab- how absolutely. bad is the group think and and is there anything the average reader can do about it it's 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 real bad and sorry but Hello. it's real good morning yeah exactly you know, get the time hates in. twitter <laughs> yeah. hates it he hates twitter <laughs> right you know every time i'm on twitter it's it's less attention for him but yeah it's it's one of these things where it there is a group think to it there are you know way it's way too insular someone who's you know on it way too much it's way too insular it's very disconnected from the the life of the average american you know news consumer and yet you have, you know, both journalists and politicians endlessly feeding off of each other on it. So it becomes important. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. It affects, mm-hmm. it, Twitter affects news coverage. Like as yeah. someone in the news business myself, like it has a very real effect. Like what, what, what gets retweets goes on the news and that affects what regular people are seeing about the news in the world. So it's, it's important. It shouldn't be important. We should have better things to do with our time, but it is a square where we have to sort of, you know, maintain and promote things and promote good ideas because they it eventually filters out to the public at large that isn't on Twitter and very online like the rest of us are. So it it, it affects the world. I mean, we saw that with, you know, Donald Trump, you know, largely became president of the United States because he tweets real good. And I say real good, not that he tweets good things, but <laughs> he was very good at it. And, and if he gets returned to Twitter, unfortunately, a lot of mainstream journalists are going to love that because it makes the stories that they have to write real easy because right. t- Trump tweets dumb thing is a super easy story to do. I mean, as yeah. someone who's written a certain you know story like that in my <laughs> lifetime, it's not the hardest thing in the world. And when that becomes all of the news all the time, like you don't see Biden's tweets getting, you know, that they're good right. and they're in- they're interesting, but they're not like, you know, tanking the stock market like Trump's tweets did. <laughs> right. Well, I they're think- not. I think part of the problem is that, you know, 
the idea of a Trump tweet being news in and of itself is like the problem, right? It's the same yes. problem we used to have when Sarah Palin used to post things on Facebook. Remember when we used to read those like they were news? <laughs> um, and I just think that like, you know, Trump is not the president. So it's not news unless he tweets something, you know, that's potentially criminal <laughs> or something like that. That's maybe relevant to one of the ongoing investigations that he's involved in right now um, in multiple states and jurisdictions. Um, but I feel like it, it's what makes it newsy um, is not the fact that he is, has tweeted a thing that's outrageous. That's actually not news anymore because it's, it's <laughs> happens so often. Right. It's yep. background noise. It's yeah, background, exactly. noise. And, background and when, noise. Right. And when, when people like, you know, Secretary Clinton or President Obama, when they tweet, that's not news either. And they're not president either. Right. But somehow when Donald Trump tweets, it becomes this very special thing in the media world because really and the point. thing is, he 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 understands. Yeah. He understands this like he's very stupid. But he, that, that this <laughs> is the one thing he does understand is that you say something. And, you know, I've said he's like a wrestler. You say something really provocative to get a response from the audience. And the audience in this case is not a bunch of wrestling fans. It's Twitter. And Twitter responds to it. And so the media says, I don't know, a lot of people are responding to this crazy thing. I guess it's news. Let's make it a, into a news story. And that's that's sort of what happens. And, and it leads back into the echo chamber of Twitter. Like, is it the real world? Is what he's saying on Twitter any sort of reflection of the real world? And when it comes to Trump, it certainly isn't. But Twitter thinks, you know, collectively, the group Twitter, the, 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 the living embodiment that is Twitter, thinks this is a real thing and so journalists end up covering it and it becomes the real then it becomes real so we only have a couple more minutes and i i want to i want to do something that we don't often do on the show because we have the pundit penalty box if you're wrong um but <laughs> i i, I want to know what your predictions are for this year right now because i feel like i can make the case on both sides like i can make the case that we are utterly screwed already and there's nothing we can do and i can make the case that like actually conventional wisdom is pretty wonky. And in fact, we are living in intersecting dystopias where one party is trying to make it worse. And that is actually very obvious to people whose lives they are hurting. What do you think? Um, I mean, with the caveat that, you know, 2016 happened and all punditry is bad because of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like, a I have to, in 2016. Yeah, I always have to put that caveat up front because I was wrong then too. So I have to always say that, but I mean, I don't feel good about things. I don't think that things are going to go well. I don't think, you know, I, I think that the alarm bells should have been rung a long time ago. And there doesn't seem to be any alarm on the behalf of, you know, Democrats right now, even at this late. To me, this is a late date. I, I've seen some people say, like, you know, well, we still have a few months until the election. And, mm -mm. you know, no, I've that's talked mobilization to you guys, time. That's not protection yeah, time. No, that's yeah. I've talked absolutely. to you guys about this before where, remember, with the right, we are, we are behind the eight ball here. They're, they've spent the last 60 years right, preparing right. for the next election. They're always election. doing so, a message. They're always, right. they're always doing a message. Right. I mean, they, their voters are ready to run out right now to the polls. If we had a, you know, if we had a snap election in the United States the way they do in Europe and we had to run out to the polls right now, like, just go do it. Their voters would be ready to go. Their voters are ready to, you know, show show that they're anti-Biden, whereas whereas Democratic voters are, are not there yet. And, you know, I, I just feel like we're sleepwalking through it and it's not going to be good. It's going to be real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I have concerns. I am concerned. Yeah. 
Um, pleased to see that there might be movement on student debt. Like this is the sort of big stuff that we need in the next few months, like right now, so that we yeah. can spend the next time mobilizing. He needs to do it before the end of the week. He needs to do all know, of these things before exactly. the end of the week. <laughs> so that's the point though. But that's the point though, Oliver. What's alarming to me is the fact that there's even any debate over whether or not you should yeah. do this right now. Obviously you should do it because you want to energize your base and you're not doing anything right now to energize your base. And why are you even debating it in a meeting? Just announce it. Okay. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Just get to the point. Just do get it. Get to the point. Get to it. Oliver Willis, senior writer at the American Independent. Thank you so much for all of the times that you yes, have come on to explain this Love crap it. to me. I really appreciate you, and yes. I will continue appreciating you from wherever I am. You're the best. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate Thanks, it. <laughs> We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. 